Well, let me ask you a question. Has God ever humbled you? Isn't it amazing how sometimes God can do something in our life that just flat knocks us off our feet? I've had several of those occasions. Well, this past weekend, uh, last weekend, my daughter and her boyfriend were home, and, and she got a little dash hound for her, one of her graduation presents, I guess you'd say, when she graduated from grad school. And uh, it's the cutest little thing that you've ever seen. I mean, our whole family just fell in love with Bella. And she is a cute little dog. I mean, she will get your heart. She's a dash hound. And, and man, when she looks at you with them big old beady eyes, it's like, you know, it just tears you apart. I can't imagine what a grandkid will do for me if this dog does that. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, but last Saturday, I had gone home. And, and when she's in her cage, I guess you'd say, we don't call it cage. What do you call that thing? Crank. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so... Uh, she was, I came home and she started having a fit because she knew somebody was there. And so I thought, you know what, why don't me and Bella just go for a ride? So I stuck her in the old car and her truck there and we just went cruising. And I, so I said, well, I'm going to go by my place over there and she can get out there in the field and run. And, and, and this dog, you cannot let her off the leash, okay? She knows no bounds. And so the leash that Evan had for her was only about five foot long. And normally she's got this big long one. So I don't know where it was at. So I said, oh, I'll take this. So I got her there and she's running around out there. And every time she'd see a car, man, she'd just take off. And Evan had told me she'd do that. And uh, so I said, man, this, she's gonna, you know, this, this little dog is pulling this guy around. And so I went in the office there and I just put her in there. And, and then I got a belt and tied it on to the, to the thing so I'd have a longer leash. And about an hour later, I was over there just studying something. So I really literally what I was doing. And I put her up in a chair so she could see the car and just bark when they went along. And uh, so I said, well, I'm going to take her out a little bit. and We're going to go out there and run some. So that's what we did. Man, she ran around and, you know, she'd run a little bit. And, and she'd run back toward the back of the property there. And, I mean, wide open. You know, this, this little eight-pound dog was pulling me around, you know. And uh, so we did a while. And so, you know, we kept on. And all of a sudden, I slipped. And I busted it face first. Boom. And when I did, that leash just went out of my hand. I kind of dry, you know, dove and tried to get it. She looked around at me and noticed that I was down. And she said, this is my chance. And that dog took off toward the highway on Snow Road. And I'm thinking, if this dog gets the highway, she is history. I'm history. I cannot face my daughter. This is it. And so I commenced to running after the dog. I get to Snow Road, and, and this 60-year-old, this overweight, white-headed man is chasing a little eight-pound eight dog down the road. Cars are coming down, stopping. And I'm, I'm looking, and I'm thinking, you know, the highway is less than 50 yards away now. And I know if she gets to that highway, it's... So finally, when we get to the stop sign, right almost to the stop sign, my foot caught the back of that belt and stopped her in her tracks. And I looked at her and I said, you little varmint, I can't believe you did this to me. I'm, you know, I just, you so cute, but I tell you what, I cannot believe you've done this. And I just, you know, and she just looked at me with them beady eyes and I'm like, I know it. And I just said, okay. But I'm going to tell you, I was one humbled guy because I turned around 
and there's about five cars down Snow Road, and they're just looking and grinning, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, mercy. You know, we stopped traffic. But, um, you know, God has a way of humbling us, and it's something that we all need, isn't it? There's two things if you pray for, humbleness, humility, and patience. If you pray for those th two things, you better get ready and have your dancing shoes on, okay? Because it's fixing to come. We're going to talk about humility today. In fact, we're starting a new series, and it's based on 2 Corinthians 7, chapter 14, and it's called, If My People. There's a passage of scripture there that we've all probably read before, we've heard, and I'm going to share that with you here. And, and, but I think as we look at this passage of scripture, we may be able to see some things there or realize what this passage is really saying, and I think it's going to encourage you and, and really help you as we look at this series, as we're going to be talking about prayer. Look what this passage of Scripture says. Then if my people who are called by my name will what? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then look what will happen. I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. This passage of scripture was written by Solomon, but it was God's words to Solomon. Some of you may know, most of you may know, Solomon, you know, was one of the wealthiest men that had ever lived, and he asked God for wisdom. And of all the things he could ask for, he asked God for wisdom. So he was supposedly one of the wisest men that's ever lived. But then I don't know where he was having a bad day or what, but it says he married 700 women. So I'm not sure that he had a wisdom day off or what, but it doesn't sound like that was such a great, wise thing to do. Now, I won't say anything about mother-in-laws here, but, I, you know, I'm just throwing that out there, okay? I have a great mother-in-law, seriously, so don't think I'm saying anything like that. But this passage of Scripture is tied to the covenant between God and the nation of Israel. Or it's about the covenant between God and the children of Israel, all right? God was speaking to the nation of Israel. He, he was saying, you know, when you get in the temple and, and this is what needs to happen. So his audience was the children of Israel. But it was also us, okay? It was written to them, but it was for us. Can I tell you something amazing? Can I get your blood flowing this morning? Can I encourage you? Can I give you something to, to just rejoice about and worship about? You don't have to pray for this right here. That you'll hear from heaven. There'll be forgiveness and there'll be healing on the land. Let me tell you why. Because it's already happened. It's already happened. You don't have to pray for something that God has already done. Because he sent his son. We heard from heaven. He came here as a virgin born to Mary. And, and, and she was a virgin. He was born to her. He lived a sinless life. He healed people. He healed the brokenhearted. He comforted people. He died on the cross for our sins. So that we could have eternal life. And God's forgiveness is already here. Healing is already here. 
The scripture says that and shows that many, many different times. In Peter it says, by his stripes we are healed. Listen to me this morning. This has already been done, but you and I have just got to claim it. We've got to walk in it. We've got to experience it. We've got to know that it's right here for you and I. You see, usually most of us, or if you've had any time in church, you have heard this verse probably. You've definitely heard it in the last last six or seven months, okay? But I think what we have done is we failed to read the next verse. I want you to see what this verse says. Because I think if you read verse 14 and you don't read verse 13, you'll miss maybe what God is telling us today. Notice what it says. At times, I might shut up the heavens and there'll be no rain. At times... There may be grasshoppers that will devour your crops. At times, I might send plagues or pandemics among you. Sound familiar? Listen to me. God is not surprised by what's happening in the world today. Okay? He knows what's going on. You don't have to be Worried about it. God is in control. And basically, he said it right there. Hey, guys, at times, stuff's going to happen. Guys, at times, you're going to have some really rough events. You're going to have some rough situations. And you're not going to know what to do. But let me tell you, I am in control. I'm telling you, you can see that it's going to happen. That's what God is telling me and you today at times. In other words, even in disaster, God is in control. Even in pandemics, God is in control. Even when there's political upheaval, God is in control. And even though we have all these things happening, and even though we've already heard from heaven and our sins are forgiven and there's healing, we can still take those principles there and apply them to our life. A couple key things I want you to see. Then if my people who are called by my name. In other words, if change is going to come in our world, if change is going to come in America, it's not going to start with ungodly people. If my people who are called by my name, In other words, we look at things that are going in the the world and we're just like, man, I just wish they'd change. I just wish that wouldn't happen. Listen, the only way it's going to change is if my people. That's where God starts. That's where God works. That's where God does what he needs to do. Have you ever noticed that we expect people that don't know God to act godly? If they don't know God, then they're not going to act godly, right? That's why this is so powerful right here. So here's what I want to say to you this morning, and I believe that's what God was saying when he says at times. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Humble yourself and pray. I believe that's what God is saying to us in this passage of Scripture. Don't panic, but humble yourself yourself and pray. Did you know that pride is one of the most destructive things in people's lives? And pride is the most destructive thing in the life of believers. Pride is the one thing 
of many that destroys more churches than anything else. Pride destroys families. It destroys marriages. It destroys relationships. It destroys careers. It destroys friendships. That's why pride is listed as one of the seven most deadly sins. Pride will rip your heart apart if you're not careful. That's why I believe the Bible says right here, and God was instructing them to humble themselves and pray. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall. I love what the message translation says, and I've seen this so many times in my life and the lives of others. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Now, how about doing something for me this morning? Take out your phones. Take out your phones just a second. If you got it, if you don't, don't worry about it. I want you to flip that little button that lets you do what? What do you call it when you take your phone you take a picture of yourself? There are between 90 and 100 million selfies taken per day. Think we got a self problem? That's why it's called selfie. Huh? So what does humility look like? There's a phrase that, that I just really, that I try to, when I think about my life, and my mission and, and, and what God has called me to do, it's to add value to people. That's what I believe humility looks like, to add value to others, to put other people first, to put yourself last, to get yourself out of the way. Let other people shine. Share the glory. Let others get glory. You see, we, we struggle with that. So I want to ask you, who... Are you in contact with? Who is in your life? Who is in your world that you need to let them shine? That you need to give them some glory? That you need to add value to them? What about that family member that you don't get along with? What about that person at work? What about that boss, that foreman? What if you started adding value to them instead of just wanting something from them? Because to see the reason a lot of people that don't want to hear from us as followers of Jesus is because a lot of times our message. You see, I believe if we began to add value to people, I believe they'd be interested in hearing what we got to say. You see, I think that's what humility is. I wonder what would happen if people at Four Points Church started adding value to people around them, adding value to people that they come to church with. They wanted to know what's different about you what if people started feeling value when they're around you then you would want to be around them do you understand what I'm saying that's what humility is parents can, can I say something to you humility and prayer is the foundation for your life with your children a number of years ago we built a house <clears throat> I had no idea didn't have a clue about building a house. Still don't know a lot about building one, okay? But I'd hired a contractor, and <clears throat> he agreed to help me build the house. Well, we weren't very much into that house when he poured the foundation, and, and you pour this concrete over, over rocks. And my brother-in-law discovered that there was not a vapor barrier laid down in that basement. 
well, in this area, if you don't have a vapor barrier or something to do with radon and moisture and stuff like that, will creep up through concrete. So I started checking into it. <clears throat> Finally asked the building codes guy about it. He said, man, that's not going to work. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're going to have to tear that whole concrete bottom out. I said, there ain't no way. I said, it'll tear these concrete walls up. He said, well, that's what you're going to have to do. I said, man, I can't. He said, well, let me, let me check into it. Let's see what we can find out. So he calls Columbia. A guy from Columbia comes down. He said, I'll tell you what we can do. You put the vapor barrier down. You can pour three or four more inches of concrete, and we'll let it go. Because that's how important it was. Can I tell you something, guys? Humility and prayer is a vapor barrier for your children. It keeps them from things getting into their life if you will just humble yourself and pray. Now watch this though. You can't pull the, wheel, pull the wool over your children. They know you better than anybody. So if you're trying to project that you're this person of prayer and godly character and then they see pride all over everything you do, then you're having no influence. And, you know, maybe you think, well, Stephen, I live a pretty good life. I'm, you know, a very moral guy. How about pride? Because pride will speak louder than anything that you say. Maybe there's somebody in, in your family and you're struggling with forgiving them. You're jealous of them. You're envious of them. Don't go telling your children about prayer. Because until you humble yourself and pray, then guys, I hate to tell you this, but, but you're going to struggle with that prayer life. You're going to struggle hearing from God. You're going to struggle seeking His face. Because until you can humble yourself, then I tell you what, God's not going to be responding to what you say. Prayer needs to be a vital part of our life when it comes to our children. About 18 months ago, and I think I've probably shared this with you guys before, but I just think it's very pertinent to what's going on with, with where we are today and, and, and what I'm speaking on. My daughter, Evan, is a very upbeat person and very positive and very seldom do we see her down. And about a year and a half ago there, she was coming home from seminary and she called and, she, and she, I could tell she just wasn't herself and something was going on. And, and she said that, you know, Dad, there's, there's, we have this preaching class and... and you know, we have to get up and preach, and then we're critiqued. And she said, there's a lady in my class that's just been ripping me and says that I don't need to, to be so emotional. I don't need to use my hands, and I don't need to move around. And she said, Dad, that's just who I am, and maybe, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I, I just need to do something else. And I said, Evan, be you. Don't listen to, you know, you know everybody and have selective hearing and but I could tell when she got home and she got you know came into our room sat on her bed with us and she was crying and me and Kim prayed about it and and just really prayed God you know it seems like you've got your hands on her and what she's doing and don't let don't let this get to her and and God please just intervene well I came to church Sunday morning I really didn't know you know who was speaking that morning because it was about a year and a half or two before I did the infant work and uh, a lot of times if, if they're coming to the second service, I sit in here and, you know, sit in the office in there and listen. And I saw that Jenny was speaking. And those of you who've seen Jenny speak, you know, she doesn't, you know, she's vibracious. She uses her hands. She's enthusiastic. And, and, and sitting there in that office, I just broke down crying. Because I knew not just for a lot of other people, but God had that service just for my daughter. And I couldn't wait to the second service. 
So she came to second service with the rest of the family members. And, and you know, it was just like, man, she was beamed in. And after the service, we got home and she said, Dad, that was just for me. You know something? God knew that was going to happen forever, prayed it, but he let me be a part of it. He let me and Kim share in that in his power and his blessing. Parents, that's what God will do in your life. He will let you share in what he's doing in your children. About two months ago, I'd been praying about a way just to maybe use some things I'm doing as a ministry. And a, a pastor friend of mine called me from Florida and he said, Stephen, uh, there's this ministry I'm involved in called Hope Ministries and they get cars for women that are coming out of abuse and, and some of them have even been in trafficking. And they can't, they can't work, they can't take care of kids, do anything because they, they don't have a car. And said, we're, we're having trouble finding good cars because we can't spend a lot of money for them. And we, you know, we're just wondering if you might could help. And I said, well, I don't know. Let me see what I can do. I said, I'd, I'd love to be part of that. And uh, so I, I found some cars. And, and then the problem was I'm in Greer, and they're 500 miles away. So I began to ch check and to see, you know, okay, what's it going to cost to get the cars there? And it's anywhere from $450 to $650 per car. That was going to ruin it. And so I was, began, I shared with my group of men that I meet with on Thursday morning. And I said, guys, I need y'all to pray about this. And, and the next day, Michael and I were talking. And he said, Dad, there's a, a, a guy that ships cars for us from Orlando. And a lot of times he's empty going back. And he said, he might would do it. I bet he'd do it. And it'd be a lot cheaper. So he gave me his number and I called him and I told him what we are doing. He said, yeah, man, I'd love to be part of that. And he said, I'll ship those cars for you for $225. God wants to be involved in your life through prayer and humility if you'll just let him do it. If we will just get out of the way. If we'll just humble ourselves and pray. There's a passage of scripture that's written by James, uh, the brother of Jesus, that a whole book really that I think really applies to what we're talking about here because, you know, who knows you better than your brother? Would you agree? And, and if anybody knows that, that Jesus was, was humble, then, then it's his brother. And, and see, in James chapter 4, I believe it's the New Covenant version of what God was talking about in the Old Testament. And I want to read that passage of Scripture here for you. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Or he will lift you up, in whichever translation. Some of you say, he will show you favor. So basically, he's given us a, 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 some principles here, a prescription for how we need to handle the different things in life. So here's what I want to say to you. The next thing I want you to see is don't panic, embrace the grace. Don't panic, embrace the grace. How many of you could use a little bit of grace this morning? How many of you need grace? You say, Pastor, if I'm going to get, be humbled, I'm one arrogant cat. What does it say here? 
God's got some grace for you. You can still do it. He says in this passage of scripture, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know that pride is the greatest obstacle between people getting right with God? Because no matter what you're involved in, no matter what you're struggling with, the root of it is pride. That's what it is. Pastor T.D. Jakes, I don't know if any of you know who Pastor T.D. Jakes is. A lot of you do. Tremendous speaker. Maybe one of the greatest orders there is alive in America today. And I love to hear him speak and and just to hear what he has to say. He was doing a a seminar or a symposium, and he was answering questions. And one of the questions that was asked to him is, how do you stay humble? What is humility, and and how do we create that or, or embrace that in our life? Here's what he said. He says, if you want to increase your humility... Work on your gratitude. Work on your gratitude. Be grateful. Be thankful. Be appreciative. He said, we have become a country of ungrateful people. And then he said, everything I have is a gift of God. Everything I do is a gift of God. Everywhere I go is a gift of God. And everything I own is a gift of God. He says, when you understand that, it takes away the feeling of entitlement. And he said, let me tell you something. Nobody owes you anything. Learn to be thankful. Listen to me this morning. How thankful are you? You need to have an attitude of gratitude. When I, when I read this, or I, when I heard this, it just, I just started thinking about things I could be thankful for. You know, I thought about my family and, and my son and my daughter and my wife. And I thought about my parents. I thought about my health and, and my education and, and, you know, my, my brother and sister. You know, I thought about, I'm thankful I've got a car. I've got a house to live in. I have food to eat, fried chicken, pizza, Krispy Kreme donuts. I believe there's going to be Krispy Kreme donuts in heaven, okay? I'm declaring that right now. You know one thing I'm looking forward to, Shannon, when I get to heaven? That I'm going to be able to sing like Brian. I just can't wait because I just believe that's going to happen. I just believe that's a possibility. What are you thankful for? Listen to me. Start listening. Write them down. Sing them. Rap them. Dance them. Whatever you do. What are you thankful for? Put it on something. Do it. And remind yourself what you have to be thankful for. And I guarantee you it will bring some humility in your life. Don't let this pandemic destroy your dream. Don't let this pandemic destroy your life. Because God says at times he was preparing us for this. Embrace The grace of God's blessing, of God's favor. Stop focusing on what you don't have and what you're not thankful for. Okay? Have an attitude of gratitude. You know what got Satan kicked out of heaven? It was pride. Satan wanted to be like God. 
He thought he was entitled to be like God. Listen to me. That's where a lot of that starts in your life. That's what pride does to you. It makes you think that you ought to have what everybody else has. But guys, that's not what brings blessings in our life. And here's the last thing that I want you to see that we look at in this passage of Scripture. Don't panic, but report for duty. Don't panic, but report for duty. If you want to see God's blessing, if you want to experience humility in your life, notice the Scripture says God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So what does he say to do there? So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You know what that word there, submit, means? It means to be subject to. It means to come under the authority of. It basically comes from the concept of somebody who joins the military or the service and they have a commander and they are subjecting themselves under the power, okay, and also under the protection of that commanding officer. That's what it means there to, to submit yourself. And even in some translations it says to humble yourself there. Because they, they go together. The, one of the greatest ways that you can practice and learn humility is through serving and volunteering. You ask these youth workers from Saturday, Friday night who got the most out of that. Even though they were wore out. I guarantee you. They were blessed by the opportunity of serving those students. You talk with some of the children's workers here, and they're way more blessed than some of those children because the blessing that they get from seeing what God is doing in their life. Did you know that when you volunteer, it increases your health and happiness? Did you know that? When, you, when teenagers volunteer... There is less drug abuse and less unplanned pregnancy. You say, well, Stephen, my teenager's always grumpy. Well, that's what they're going to do, okay? That's a grumpy stage. Sometimes they get it from mom and daddy, okay? All right. You know what I say? Let them serve while they're grumpy because it might get it right out of them. Okay? Volunteering, did you know this? When you volunteer, it increases your immune system. Wow, might help a little bit during the pandemic. What do you think? Huh? Could be. In other words, one of the greatest things that you can do is volunteer and serve. Because it takes the focus off of yourself. That's what humility is. It's focusing on somebody else and what God needs to do through you, in them, or with them. Humility is the launching pad for your relationship with God. If you want God to answer your prayers, if you want to have a powerful prayer life, it starts with humility. I want to close with a story about a man and woman named Martha Everett. Everett was born back in the 1920s. He was an illegitimate child, born to an unwed mom. His mom had been abused and raped by her sister's husband. His father began to raise him because he didn't want him in that situation. When he walked around places in town, he was called the little bastard boy. 
something he had to deal with a good bit of his life. Martha, when she was five years old, was the youngest, her sister was the youngest child ever placed in this particular orphanage. Her daddy had died, and during the Great Depression that was coming on, her mom could not afford to raise her, so she was raised in an orphanage. She used to say that they would go off on Sunday night to sing in Methodist churches, and on their way there, they would sing, we're going off to beg. But she said during that time of this Great Depression, when a lot of people didn't have food and clothes, I was thankful because we had food and clothes. We had a warm place, and we had people that loved us, so she wasn't bitter, but she was humbled. She was thankful. She was grateful. Years later, she was engaged to an Air Force pilot to be married, and she was so looking forward to that. Two weeks before she was to be married, his plane crashed, and he died. Her hopes of escape were vanished she thought but then not too long after that somebody introduced her to Everett they went on a blind date and they seemed to have so much in common and so he asked her to go to a dance she said I'd love to go to a dance with you but I won't go to the dance with you if you won't go to church with me she believed in missionary dating okay so he said, hey, that's just a little bit to, to pay to get to take this beautiful young woman to this dance. So he went to the service with her and had a fifth of liquor in his back pocket because he was focused on the dance. During that service, God began to speak to his heart and he realized that he was a child of God. That God loved him. And he had purpose. Even though way he, he had to come up that night he asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior he asked Jesus to begin that journey in him he became a pastor and planted churches had three children Knox Diane and Stephen I'm Stephen Two things of many that my parents taught me. Humility and prayer. They taught me to never forget those two things. Never forget where you come from. Never forget who you are. Never forget that God has great things for you. If you'll humble yourself and pray. Let me ask you a question. Where do you need to humble yourself and pray? What is that little thing that you're holding on to your life that if it's not taken care of, it's going to destroy your family, it's going to destroy your marriage, and it could literally destroy your career? What is that area of your life that you won't give up? What is that place of pride in you that you just won't deal with it because you've got so much pride that, that you just can't say, I'm sorry? Or you just can't say, forgive me? Or you can't just say, let's move on? And that's what's keeping, that's the barrier between right now, between what God wants to do with you. 
It's the barrier between your blessings. I want to read this James chapter 4. Close with that. In the message translation. I want you to listen to what it says. So let God work His will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. Empty yourself. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. In just a minute, Emma's going to come up and sing this powerful song called Empty Me. As she sings that song, I just want you to remain seated. And I want you to think about in my prayers, the Spirit of God is going to show you that area that you need to be emptied from. That thing that you need to let go, that piece of pride that is ripping you apart. That piece of pride that is the barrier for you. But before we do that, I want you to bow your heads. I just want you to think about that just a second. Where does God need to empty you? What is that thing that's holding you back? What's that piece of pride that you just can't get past? And then maybe you're here today and you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and it could very well be because it's pride. You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You've never let Him step out of heaven and be your Heavenly Father. You've never just prayed, Dear Jesus, I love you. Please step into my heart. Step down from heaven because I want to be a child of God. If you've never done that, but you need to do that today, would you just look up at me and raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody here? Anybody here this morning that needs to do that? Okay. Heavenly Father, as we close this service and as we continue to worship you, Father God, may your spirit still speak. May your presence be here. May we feel your presence. May we seek your face. Father, May we empty ourselves of those things that are, that are not letting you humble us. May we empty ourselves of that pride that's robbing our joy and, and harming our family. May we release it, Father God, by your grace. We love you, Jesus. In your humble name we pray.